to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. And just for this occasion, we also have John Parker on with us. Hey, guys. How's it going today? John, of course, you can find on Twitter at JJParker084. You can find the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. You can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. I guess we're on Facebook, Horizon Roundtable. I don't know what's on there. We so are. We're there. I know. I know we're on there. Florida. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And guys, um, the se- the regular season is over. Cleveland State has been is the is the top seed. And joining us, and this is a very special occasion. Joining us from the Horizon League is Dan Glyat. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Really appreciate the time. So, um, I know you've been su- – I, I, I'm going to venture to guess you've been super busy over the last 24 hours, probably the last 48 because this is the last weekend of the season. Um, so, we'll just get right into this. So, we uh, we got to the last weekend of the season. Cleveland State split, Wright State split. They're both 15-5. and five, And thanks to the formula, Cleveland State is the top seed. Yeah, that's basically how it went down. So I guess the, the and we I wanted to ask a couple of questions about that because obviously you kind of broke it down a little bit during the Reaching the Horizon podcast with Justin Kinner about kind of the 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 makeup of the formula, which was there are four components: uh, games played, um, strength of schedule within the league. Um, that's actually one part I did not know about. Also, um, road wins being weighed heavily, and then there was one last thing. I can't remember what it was. League league win percentage was the last one. League win percentage. Okay, yes, I was going to. I was I was going to say personality, but you know that's 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 judging something else. Um, so as I'm looking at, as I kind of looked at the you know the way that things got set up between Cleveland State and Wright State the one thing i did notice and i don't know if you can answer this but it seems to me that one of the ma- one of the determining factors one of the major advantages Cleveland State had is the fact that they didn't play the bottom two teams in the conference this year UIC and Robert Morris and that seemed like that was uh gave them a little bit of advantage going into the uh going into the weekend yeah, I mean, that's why strength of schedule was a part of this. And when our council came and wanted to decide on how to seed the tournament this year, as you said, we had those four uh, priorities. And those four, four priorities were the really the things that we wanted to use to try to seed everyone this year. And strength of schedule was a big one because when we went into this season, we weren't sure if everyone was going to be able to play 20 games. We weren't sure if people were going to be, be able to play 10 games, in all honesty. So the fact that our men's basketball teams played 91% of the originally scheduled games out of 120 games. They played 91% of them is really a testament to the student athletes, coaches, administrators, and athletics directors. But yeah, strength of schedule is going to be a big part of it this year because in all honesty, we weren't, we didn't know who all was going to play everyone. So going into this weekend, we knew that obviously Purdue Fort Wayne was going to play Cleveland state. Um, and then NKU was going to play Wright State and stuff like that. So that was a factor going in. And I mean, in all honesty, Cleveland State and Wright State were so close neck and neck the entire time and the entire year. 
road wins and home wins and everything that that we listed before that strength of schedule was going to be the determining factor and it was were were teams aware of how you guys were weighting it from from the get-go especially um you, you had mentioned um what was it uh how many like how many games they they played so like where udm chose to not play some games um and take that break were they aware of of what that would how that would affect them in, in this outcome yeah, I mean, to go back a little bit to answer your question, um, and I appreciate the plug for the Reach the Horizon podcast, but I may be doubling up a couple of answers here, so I apologize. But to go back, like we were when we were trying to figure this out, it, it, the deciding factor came from our council. And our council is made up of our athletic directors, a, a faculty athletic representative, an SWA, which is a senior women administrator and a student athlete. And we were trying to figure out the best way to seed a tournament in an uneven year. And as we all know, and as we've all seen, it's been an uneven year due to the pandemic and and people having to miss games and things like that. So our council came to us and, and said, we want an objective formula. And we took that objective formula and and plugged in everything. So the council was aware, the athletic director's aware, coaches were aware, coaches were consulted both on the men's and women's side in terms of what went into the formula this year. So everyone was was on the same page. Similarly to like how the NCAA does it with the net, I didn't push out and let the coaches and administrators know until about midway through the year where they actually sat in the seedings because there's just enough not enough data. You know, if a team's 4-0, and then loses two games, that could be a large fluctuation. So about halfway through the season, I started updating all the coaches and schools and everything on where they were. So everyone was was very well aware of where they were and how the formula went and what the formula was. With the season now done, and the answer might be no to this, can you give us um, a little bit further breakdown? That you, we, We've talked about what those four you know determining factors were, but but which one was the biggest factor in this formula? Like, how did how did they weight within themselves? Yeah, I will say, um, like, league winning percentage and strength of schedule. That was what the council really wanted to focus on. So that was those were the two that were weighted the most within the formula. Roads wins and home wins. So as I've said before, um, this formula is really based off of the old RPI before the net came into existence. Um, the NCAA ranked all the teams with the RPI uh, for seeding purposes for the NCAA tournament. And a few years ago, I want to say about 10 years ago, they started adding a home win and a road win factor into their RPI system. So that was already built in. We tweaked that down a little bit because historically home teams win like, what, 70% of their games. But with no fans this year, we didn't think we wanted to uh, tweak it up that high. But I think Coach Campy said on his radio show that it, and um, it's at a factor of 0.25. So you basically got um, for four road wins, you end up getting five wins. And then uh, games played was the smallest out of those four factors. And last one for me, at least, and I'll, then I'll stop grilling you on this stuff. And I'll let the others take over. Um, do you think with the season done, especially with the fact that you, they did get 91% of the games in, which I think is an incredible stat for the league, it blows my mind that they got that many games in. Um, do you think that there's adjustments that you guys might have made to that formula looking back, knowing what you know now? I mean, that's tough to say. I, I, I mean, I think whenever you look back, 
you you may have wanted to tweak things and things like that. But I think overall, the formula did what it needed to do. It was a completely objective way of looking at a very difficult season from both uh, a playing standpoint and getting games in standpoint and moving things around and stuff like that. So it was objective. Uh, we just put in the data points and it spit out teams one through 12 and things like that. And everyone knew what it was going into the season. So I will say from that respect, I think it was a success. Now, in terms of the percentages and where they lie, you know, I leave that up to the council to kind of go back and look at and review and things like that. Because it's really, you know, that group was the one that decided on it and things like that. So I'm not sure if I'm in the right spot to be able to answer that question fairly. But I'm sure as with all things we do, we'll go back and review everything. So, yeah, and it looked at, it looked like um, even before you the announcement came for the official seedings, it looks like some of the individual schools have figured it, broke out their calculators and figured out the formula on their own and figured out, you know, hey, this is where we probably are. So, yeah, it was pretty clear that some of, a lot of the schools already kind of knew where they stood kind of before, you know, the announcement, the official announcement was made. So it, it it looked like at least everybody knew what, what you know, where they stood at least before, you know, the end, before the announcement of the seedings came in. I actually wanted to talk about the, the, for, the new format of the tournament. Um, now, obviously, with the addition of Purdue, Fort Wade, and Robert Morris, you have 12 teams and now... The format that the Horizon League, well, multiple formats that the Horizon League has used over the years, you now have a format where the first four team, the first, the top four seeds get a uh, get a buy. They also get a home game, and then the high then seeds five through twelve get the highest seed um, hosting. The first round game. Now, I guess my first question would be: Is this going to be the format moving forward, or is this? Are there going to be any adjustments on that front? Yeah, I think we're. Um, that's a council decision. As I as I've said, a sure. lot of these things are a council decision. Um, I think we're going to see how this one goes this year. I think most importantly, though, and we've heard this from our coaches and administrators, that it's really important that we get all twelve teams in the tournament, and I think that's what our coaches and administrators talk to us over the summer and stuff like that with such an uneven year and knowing that there's going to be some cancellations and things like that to put in a, a bracket or a tournament format that didn't include all 12 teams didn't feel right this year and that every student athlete deserved a chance to try to play in the tournament. And so that was really our focus this year. And I think with a 12 team bracket, this is probably the best place to live. Um, in terms of, as you said, Bob, we, we've done a lot of different variations. And I, I think one that's we're probably most famous for at the Horizon League is the double buy. Yes. And if we wanted to do a double buy this year, we actually would have had to, it would have been a triple buy because we, we would have had to add another round onto the schedule. And with trying to space out the games as we've had this year for health and safety purposes per our COVID-19 protocols. Sure. That just didn't seem viable this year to do that. So I think we're going to see how this year goes with with the twelve team bracket, and you know, and move forward from there. 
So as far as – I'm actually glad you brought up the, the COVID protocol because that is actually something that has come up within fan chatter for the last week or so. Obviously, the Horizon League tournament, it, all the games for the for the conference tournament, there will be no fans in attendance. Um, and I, I guess my question would be because, like, literally an hour later, the NCAA made the announcement, yes, we're going to have fans like 25%. Did that – did, when you saw that, did were there's any were there any discussions with the NCA about what they were planning to do, or 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 did you guys just kind of you know go with what's worked for the conference to this point, um, which is basically you know better you know err on the side of caution and keep the uh, keep these games um, without fans in attendance. Yeah, so I feel like I'm throwing a lot of terms out there that maybe fans aren't used to. So I'm going to try to explain this sure. the best I can. So we have that council that I've been talking a lot about, with, which is our athletic directors. Above them is what we call our board of directors. And our board of directors is a group of all the presidents and chancellors. So all 12 presidents and chancellors at, at the board level are the ones that were ma- helping make those decisions and were the ones ma- that made the decision about the fan attendance going forward. Mm-hmm. So we've brought um, several this idea back in terms of the regular season. And I, I think it started with the through 2020 and then it went to the rest of the regular season yes. and, now the, and now the championship. So I think the board uh, just continues to say that the health and safety of the student athletes is most important. And they want to make sure that uh, all these games go off with, with as little risk as possible and from a risk mitigation strategy. Mm-hmm. And they've stayed pretty true to that. So that they're the, that's the group that's made those decisions. And that's what we're doing moving forward. Okay. Um, the, I don't think I have anything else. Guys, do you have anything else? <laughs> um, I guess just a quick one, kind of another one about moving forward with this being the first year of the 20 game schedule, the first year of having 12 teams and, you know, with the, the way everything in the world is right now, forcing you to go towards a formula uh, to determine champions. Is there any talk of, since I, my understanding is going forward, there's still going to be, you know, some imbalance in schedules just because it's 20 games, you have 11 potential opponents. Um, is there any talk of using elements of like the the strength of schedule elements to kind of break ties in the future? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, former Commissioner Lacrone likes to say this that like everything's on the table. You know, no, nothing's off the table this year, uh, next year. I, I mean, this year is such a unique year that I'm not sure what. You know, I don't know what the future holds in terms of even a college basketball season for next year. You know, I think we're just looking the way we've tried to do it is just look look one week ahead and try to get these games in as safe as possible and make the best decisions we can for the health and safety of our student athletes. And then, you know, from a competitive side, get the games in and things like that. So I don't know what the future holds in terms of scheduling. That's also a council decision. Honestly, for this year, um, we had the 20 game schedule in and then we added Robert Morris. And I think it would have been really difficult to add two more games on there because most of our teams had their non-conference schedules already in. So going next year, will we do a 22 game schedule? Will we stick with the 20? Will we go to 18? You know, will we make divisions? Will we do any of those things? I think all of those questions are on the table and good questions to ask that will totally flesh out 
once we get through this year and, and into the spring and into the summer. So jumping around a little bit, and I apologize for that, um, because last night on Twitter, as often happens, I made myself look stupid because I missed this. So I'm just wondering, when did the league decide to uh, change that they were going to recognize a regular season champion? Because initially, I believe they had said that you you know, you know were going with the ranking, but you weren't going to recognize a regular season champion. So can you just give a little info about when that changed or kind of what went into that decision for you guys? Yeah, so I think the goal was going into this year that the to, to still – crown a regular season champion that but because of the inequities of the season and using the seeding formula like you know the traditional tiebreakers just don't work the way they used to you know in terms of hey head to head did the team did you sweep the team do you not sweep the team you know part of the inequities this year is that you don't get home and homes you know Wright State had to play Northern Kentucky both games you know in it at BB&T this weekend so there's a little bit of inequities there so I think the goal this year was to just have the number one seed be the regular season champion. But as we went on, we've noticed and learned that, you know, we're going to have a lot of teams finish the the season with their 20 games. And so there needs to be a way to somehow do co-regular season champions. So our council got together in the last couple of weeks and we basically carved out a path for teams to not only win a regular season champion, but also have co-regular season champions as well. And as we saw for both the men and the women, it happened. And the fact that we have two men's teams, 16 and four, and two women's teams that are 15 and five and play 20 games, I, I think those student, or student athletes 100% deserve those regular season titles. Yeah, and as a Milwaukee alum, I just want to say thank you for <laughs> for doing the split regular season champs. Obviously, we lost the tiebreaker, but that got us a cool little end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where we're, we're rewarding the student athletes that, that were able to play 20 games and the sacrifices. I mean, as you guys know, student athletes and coaches have to make a lot of sacrifices during a traditional season. And this year, you know, double, triple it almost 10 times that many sacrifices this year. So the fact that we had so many teams play 20 games uh, I, I think it was good to be able to reward them and the fact that we have so many teams playing so well I mean on the women's side gosh th there's a lot of really good teams on the women's sides on the top end and the fact on the men's side that we have Cleveland State and Wright State virtually neck and neck the entire year was ju was just incredible to watch so yeah um I, one one last question that I have is: um, Are there going to be any special protocols regard with regards to you know any um, testing or anything along that line for the uh, semifinal games and the final games in Indianapolis at all? Yeah, I, we're going to be doing uh, daily testing of all of our teams and everything like that, and they'll be at uh, the same hotel, and there will be some protocols in there. Just. The goal is to make sure that we protect our student athletes from a health and safety standpoint and from a competitive standpoint, you know, protect our automatic qualifier, protect our AQ and make sure that they're safe and prepared to go on to the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, we do. We have ramped up from a testing standpoint and from a health and safety standpoint, a lot of a lot of things. Um, so our, our goal is definitely to have a, a healthy and a safe tournament uh, from a COVID standpoint and also to protect our AQs. All right. Um, well, Dan, um, I, we really appreciate you coming on. We really appreciate uh, the work you do with the Horizon League. Obviously, we can, you know, we, we 
you know, you do yeoman's work over there, obviously, especially during this this busy season, especially since you have not just the winter sports now, but basically every other sport going on right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think with baseball going on right now, all 19 of our sports are playing at the same time. So it's uh, it's an incredible time right now. It's a busy time, but this is what we do. You know, this is what we work for. We want to be able to crown a tournament champion and the fans want to see that and, and we want to give it to them. So we're all working hard to make sure that we can get that done. All right. Well, well, thank you. Well, thank you once again for taking time out. I know you, you've had a pretty busy, you've got a pretty busy schedule now and ahead of you. So, uh, you know, we feel, you know, we, we, we invite you to come on at any time. No, thanks guys. I really appreciate the time and you guys do great work and I just appreciate all that you do and covering the league. And if you guys need anything else, happy to jump on and answer any other questions you need. Outstanding. And you know, we'll ask too. We're not shy. <laughs> I'm I'm not worried about that one bit with this group right here. So <laughs> you I love us for it. it. <laughs> That's true. Well, he loves us now, and then we ask so many questions. Anyway, anyway, but yes, um, but yeah, like I said, um, you know, good luck to you, to you in the turn. You know, getting everything together for the tournaments, um, specifically, um, the home sites, and definitely in Indianapolis. And you know, we we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the time. All right. This is Dan Glyot from the Horizon League. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a it's been quite a weekend. I will say that. So um, so I turn it to you, John and, and Matt. Um, you know, this could have been made a lot easier had. Oh, I don't know. Um, Cleveland State or Wright State actually won their games. <laughs> Both of them during the weekend. That would have been helpful. So wait, are you saying that instead of you know people complaining doing and doing all that, if the teams would have just won, that this would have been Something easier? Like Why? Huh. Yes, yes, it would have. But it, it, it's and Cleveland's now, and Cleveland State fell into the trap of the the last team that had the opportunity to win all four of the games against the same opponent, and they couldn't do it. And I was, and I know, um, and I was talking, I was actually talking to John Nolan. Who, by the way, and I, I don't want to play favorites, but yeah, he's our favorite now. He's our favorite <laughs> answer, answer now. Um, and he'd asked me, uh, and he asked me kind of what to look for with Cleveland State, and I'm like, I'm looking forward to them not losing. And of course, he asked me that on Friday, and they lost. <laughs> but so, but so did it. But so did Wright State against Northern Kentucky. Yeah. So I know we had talked about it in the past um, yes. about it's hard to beat a good team three times in it or it's hard to beat a team three times in the season might not be appropriate yeah i think we can safely conclude it's it's really hard to beat a team four times in a season can <laughs> confirm can confirm yeah um yeah that was so bad yeah um but yeah so the that was absolutely insane so of course you know Cleveland State loses and then has to make things interesting. And I'll be honest with you, they did not play well at all on Friday. I mean, Purdue-Fort Wayne was was the better team on Friday. I mean, they they did everything that they needed to do to get out of that eight-game losing streak. They, they dominated them on the, uh, from the, beyond the arc because, you know, that's what they do. And then they, they beat them up in the paint. They beat them up in the paint. That was so depressing. Well, not as depressing as Spider Johnson getting hurt, but still depressing. 
I mean, can we just say that that's what, you know, I've, I've been vocal about it, but a lot of people have said, you know, that they feel like Cleveland State's a fraud. And I we saw it again this weekend. They, they keep winning. And, I mean, they they are the number one team in this league. So I, they can only be so fraudulent at that point. But when you, <laughs> But at the same time, when you watch them, you go, you know what? If I had to pick between Cleveland State and Wright State, pick your poison. I I think I'm picking Cleveland State. Like, you just yeah. see the, you see this team and you're like, you know, they're well coached, so they they get to the to that win most of the time, but they just don't seem to have the components. I'm not going to be shocked if they get bounced early, but at the same time, they should probably just win it all. Because what do I know? But you know, like you you watched them this weekend and you just kind of went, this How is the is one season. I, I swear I even said it myself. How is this? Te- how the hell is this team the best? The first place uh, in first place in the Horizon League. I and believe I, that were my exact words on Friday. And I'm pretty sure I answered coaching. Um, I mean, and you were correct. I think it's going to result in some really uncomfortable conversations between us in the off season. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Dennis Gates. From a talent standpoint, like I don't see, you know. When I look at Wright State, I see a pretty big gulf between Wright State and everyone else talent-wise. Yeah. Um, you know, their second best big man would be everyone else's best big man <laughs> by a pretty good margin. And there are some good big men in the league. Um, but And yet they couldn't get it done this weekend either. <laughs> so, I mean. <laughs> well, that was a lot of perimeter. Um, but the for for Cleveland State it's really it's talent I mean or it's it's coaching it's I mean Dennis Gates has done an outstanding job of getting the guys to buy in they obviously have talent um but I mean honestly one thing that I found really impressive a lot of times coaches will shorten the bench just because you know as a matter of managing egos obviously they haven't done that and the egos seem to be in a good spot. <laughs> Come on. Yesterday when they were down, they threw out Jeremy Sanchez. Hey, Jeremy Sanchez, we haven't seen like in a month. They broke him out. And he was like, basically, he turned that game around. The sophomore walk-on from North Ridgeville turned that game around for Cleveland State against Purdue-Fort Wayne. I don't think they win without him being in that game for the stretches that he was. And that's an amazing that's an amazing statement to make about one guy who hasn't been again a guy who hasn't been in the has not played a lot this season, who is able to come in when his number is called and get the job done. And I but think it, that is I think I think that is kind of a microcosm of how Dennis Gates has set up that team, where it's your number's called, you need to get the you're going out there and you need you know get to work, get the job done, and that's it. But I think that's kind of what a lot of the fans and people that watch these games, what they struggle with with Cleveland State is you watch that and you go, okay, yeah. there's no way they can duplicate this every night. And they've managed to, but it's it's like you feel like at some point the, 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 the wheels are going to fall gonna off. Come out. Yeah. yeah. It, at some point, and it still hasn't happened. So at some point you just go, man, this Dennis Gates guy can really coach, and that's fine. Yeah. But like, whew, you just keep watching them and waiting, waiting for it to just implode. And, and and it still has it, and it hasn't. I mean, yes, do, have there been stumbling blocks? Obviously, there was on Friday. There was against Detroit Mercy. There, you know, there there was there was that last minute thing against. There was that last minute, uh, you know, hiccup against Milwaukee. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I know. See, there you go. <laughs> so, um, 
I don't. You know what? Since I have both of you on, I've got to talk about that game between Milwaukee and Oakland last night. Are they that still was, playing it? I just assume that game's still going. It is like neither of those teams wanted to. And it's like, <laughs> no, you win it. No, you win it. It's like, it was like the embodiment of the Napoleon Dynamite and his brother Kip slap fighting. That meme. And it, we was, it, it, was, it was literally the college basketball version of that last night. And Matt and I were talking before the game. We absolutely knew that was coming. Not not necessarily double overtime version of it, but oh, I was gonna say, you know, you, you know what's coming, worse? Than, but nothing prepares you for actually seeing it. You know what's uh, worse than a team starting 0-16 from the floor is when that game ends up in double overtime. Like those two teams <laughs> were just exhausted and played like absolute garbage. Oh, so bad. I mean, I'm like, oh, it was painful. It was the most. Pa- it was the most painful thing I've watched to this. Yeah, but, I mean, but you know which team has the advantage now? Oakland. Yeah. They, they get the one thing that Milwaukee's not getting, rest. That the team's not even, th- Oakland won't even see the floor again until Wednesday. Jesus. Campy is shutting them down to breathe. Like Oakland, the way their schedule played, and Oakland played every game on their schedule this season. They did. That's true. They did. They, and they never got and a break. they were rewarded with a three seed. Yeah. And you know what? They're going to take that time, and they're going to finally get their their little shutdown. Everyone else has had a shutdown. That's Oakland's true. going to take theirs going into the tournament, and you got to feel good about it. You know, people like – I mean, Jalen Moore has been destroyed physically all season. I mean, he had that uh, block in, on the Friday game. He, he went up against the backboard and blocked a shot, which you should never have your shot blocked by a 5'10 guard. But he, but he blocked a, blocked the shot so and came funny. down and hit his head on the floor. Like, th- that dude has just been – beaten and he's not that big you know Rashad Williams we, we know his injury all season he, he's got surgery coming up in a couple weeks once the season's done like so for Oakland that's it's a little bit scary for the rest of the rest of the league as bad as they've looked at times they've played all their games and now they get their break that's true and they get if they get a break Northern Kentucky gets a break Wright State gets a break and Cleveland State gets a break and Cleveland State clearly needs it because Spider Johnson's got I think he's got an ankle injury so he didn't play all weekend yeah, so, and then yeah. on the other side of that, um, Milwaukee does have to play this week. Um, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit ago. It's hard to beat a, a team four times in the season is what we've concluded. Yes, um, can confirm. What will happen in a fifth game? Because uh, Milwaukee gets IUPUI again. Um oh, and I am terrified because Marcus Burke, the Panthers are most of his worst games of the season. Yeah, I'm are. scared with what he's doing right now. I mean, he fouled out pretty early yesterday and still dropped an efficient 24. Like Mar- Marcus Burke almost won himself a Rising League Player of the Year the past couple weeks. Like he was that good. Yeah, he <laughs> really. That's and true. Davis have just skyrocketed since their teams were winless. And I'd like to also point out the fact that Jalen Minnette was out was not it was out all weekend. Did yeah. we determine what happened to him, by the way? I thought uh, he played the second game. I, I'm not gonna did lie, he? I didn't watch, but I looked at the okay. box score. I'm pretty sure he played game two, but not game one, which is gotcha. extra weird. But yes. Fair enough. I believe. So I'll double yeah, check. So yeah, that that makes that's okay. Yeah, I said. By the way, thank you. One of you could have like like corrected me when I said mentioned fifteen and five. The Cleveland State and Wright State were both fifteen and five. They're both sixteen and four. And I said <laughs> that, and you guys just sat there and let me sound like an idiot. Thanks, guys. Like I care what Cleveland State's record is. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Cleveland State fans. And, and you know, beyond just. 
not knowing what to expect from this week's game just because shutting down Marcus Burke has been how Milwaukee has beaten IUPUI three times this year. Yeah. Um, I will say it's pretty nice to to end the regular season on a win. <laughs> been yes. a couple of years. Yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it, since Milwaukee has won a final game, hasn't it? It has. Um, but yeah, hopefully they can be, you know, continue to be the team that figures out how to shut down Marcus Burke and advance. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a tall task. I think with where his confidence has to be right now, it, he might have to fall out not to drop 30. And, well, that's and I, I just double checked. Minette did play in that second game, but did not shoot well, which usually uh-huh. doesn't bode well for the next game. Cause usually if he has a really bad day, that next game, he's going to take care of business. So him and Bert yeah. coming back at you guys. Oh, great. They're going to combine for 70. Yeah, so probably. They're going to miss three shots and Goss will rebound and put back those three shots and they'll be fine. Up to the end. And, you know, Mike DePersia will have like 20, 20 assists and break another <laughs> college, break another conference record. You know? Awesome. Yeah. So, so what I have to ask, because obviously IUPUI exceeded expectations this year. I mean, yeah, they did. They are seated ninth, but the they, they came a little I, short on my expectations. But that's just me. Just a, <laughs> just a little, but they exceeded I, I mine. Close. So you were close, though. Um, so I, the question remains for the question now stands for IUPUI: Does Byron Rim come back next year? And from I'm my gonna say, I want to say yes because he started following our Twitter account. So <laughs> I, think I think it's a, it's an omen, man. It is a harbinger of things did, to come. Did Link Darner follow us? Link Darner did not. No, I don't even. Is Link Darner even on Twitter? <laughs> I um, I think it's a tough. I think it's a tough one because I. Okay, minor spoilers for Monday. Um, <laughs> he. I was trying not to talk about the awards and all league and all that, but if you look at what he did this year as the projected last place team, in spite of Matt picking him to finish top half of the league. Um, And if you compare that to what Dennis Gates did last year, because of the missed games, IUPUI actually played less Horizon League games than Cleveland State did last year. They had the same number of league wins. Um, They were not quite as, you know, unanimously last place. But they were still projected last place. And in terms of wins and win percentage in league play, they're seventh. You know, they're they're where Cleveland State was. So Yeah, that's true. It it, it created an interesting dynamic where Dennis Gates is a heavy contender for Horizon League Coach of the Year, but this time instead of being on the plucky upstart, he is on the you know, the the titan of the league, the first place team. Um, and here's where the spoilers come into play. Because, you know, it, it's he was picked fourth place by us anyway. Uh, the Horizon League was doing Pick its own seventh, thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that was, but we've got our well, own. It's version. almost like our, our rankings were closer. A little bit, yeah. And by the way, I don't... By the, I, by the way, I now I I know I've been like lamenting the fact that I picked UIC tenth. Um, well, congrats. <laughs> um, I don't what I, that I I have to like that the the way they fell off 
was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, they, and I think the issue they had was, you know, they had guys who were, you know, they had guys coming in and out all season. Yeah. Um, so but that anyway, was a big killer. Uh, the, there's an argument that Byron Rim should be, you know, at, if not coach of the year, co-coach of the year, same way that Gates was last year. Um, personally, I went Gates just because being projected fourth and winning isn't the same as what Scott Nagy did last year, being projected to win and winning. Um, you know, it required overachievement on his end too. Uh, but honestly, both of the resumes of kind of the 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 team jumping up from the bottom of the rankings and the team winning the league are better as far as coach of the year candidates this year. So, so it was a really discussion and that kind of creates a, an interesting dynamic for IUPUI. And you have a guy who arguably should win or should be a contender, probably, you know, top two for coach of the year. Are you going to let him go? And I think the, the big three at IUPUI make that a really weird discussion. You know, they're yeah. all seniors. They all could leave. Yeah. Back, well, they all, to be fair, they all could leave, could have left last year too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so to your point, and by the way, to your point, um, make comparing kind of the resumes of Byron Rim this year and Dennis Gates last year, you got to take into consideration the fact that he still had those three guys. <laughs> and he had the, the remember Dennis Gates started with nothing and had to build like on the fly. Whereas Byron Rim got the, got the green light for another year and got his guys to stay three. One of them who was Marcus Burke, who's arguably going to be a for I, I not to spoil. No, my more, spoilers. no more spoilers. <laughs> but yeah. So, but yeah, that is what I think is going to ta- be the case. It, I think that's what the compare, when you compare the two coaches, from you know Dennis Gates last year, Byron Rim this year. Dennis Gates was at a far, far more challenging spot than Byron Rim was yeah, because Byron, he, because you couldn't count out you know for as much as we you know for as much as we kind of downplayed how IUPUI would do in the conference and most of us did pick them in the bottom. We probably shouldn't have. We probably should have went with what Matt was thinking because. How are you going to count out guys like a team that has Marcus, uh, such dynamic scores like Marcus Burke and Jalen Minnette? Because they who, have- incidentally, will 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 score literally all the points. Yeah, at I, will. Because they had them last year, their additions, you know, didn't seem like they were going to add a ton. And I mean, a, a couple backcourt guys that I've mentioned yeah. a couple times that I really like, but they. Say Harvey. Say yeah. Harvey. Yeah. And Listrap, um, they Listrap too. Yeah, they they had all those guys last year, and they didn't win. So just I, I'm always a, a my thought process is always it's not a video game. You're not automatically going to have everyone on the team gain five points. Some players are going to play worse. Some players are going to play better. Sure. Um, they were you know a pretty distant last place team last year so i still think i do agree putting a team together from nothing is incredibly impressive um but we knew what iupui had and it was a last place team last year so i think he did an outstanding job sure uh, there's no dispute about that he did an outstanding job but 
Yeah, and I think he did a good enough job that I think he should get a, he should get a contract extension longer than a year. Does he win Coach of the Year? Probably not, but he did. He does warrant at least some more time as the, as the head coach of IUPUI. And I would agree with that. And I think I think you know if you're if I'm IUPUI at this point in time, just you know, I need to stop screwing around and let, you know sign a multi-year deal with the guy. <laughs> any any idea what their recruiting class looks like at this point? I have no idea. I wish I I did not have an opportunity to look at that yet. Um, and by the way, um, the one thing. And going to IUPUI, and basically this uh, we've been having this discussion over the last couple of podcast episodes, is do you want to play any of these teams in the Horizon League tournament at this point? I swear, no. I don't want to play any of these teams right now. And I was on the fence on, I was I was sort of on the fence for Purdue-Fort Wayne, but I really wasn't last week, and now I really am not on, now I'm like, I don't want to play them either. Purdue-Fort Wayne's one of the scariest teams, because as they well really as they, are. because we know they can hit the three, and there's nothing that will beat you in the tournament faster than a team catching fire from three. Not only, but not, only can, not only are they able to hit from the yard, but you, know, you saw this weekend, they have a sneaky, they have a pretty sneaky inside game too. Because they were beating Cleveland State up in the paint, yes, on Friday, beating them up. It was so, it was so depressing. <laughs> so then I think the answer is Robert Morris, but I don't necessarily know if I want to tempt them. And you know, Andy Tool's a hell of a coach, so you never know. You know, that we, I watched personally what they did to Oakland, bouncing back yeah, when uh, exactly. Obama left. Like that that's a team that that's that's looking to go. Like I mean, UIC. They faltered down the stretch, but man, there's still a lot going on. I, <laughs> They split nope. their series. They split the. I believe they split the weekend with Green Bay, didn't they? Okay, so let's go the other way. What's the one team that you don't want to play going in this tournament? I know no. my answer. Let's see. If, let's see if what your answers are. Um, let's see here. I really don't want to play Northern Kentucky. Under Detroit. Any, at all. Detroit, John. Detroit. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I want nothing to do with Detroit Mercy. <laughs> I would. I would rather play Wright State than Detroit Mercy right now. Well, hold on. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That that is a scary team. You want to tell me that you've got a couple seven footers, a wing, and a guard that can't miss? All of a sudden, the dude was shooting. Antoine Davis was shooting 14 percent, like almost halfway through this season. He's like, he he came back. He just bounced back. You know, they say a shooter's mentality. Yeah. You know, just just keep shooting, just keep shooting. He did, and you can see, if you watch games. Like I, I got to see it in person. That dude's got that look in his eye where you're like, he's gonna hit this. He's got that Steph Curry like look and mentality right now. Like uh-huh. I want nothing to do with Detroit Mercy. And then down the stretch against Cleveland State, everyone was so focused on him. It was just here, Noah. Have a bunch of free three pointers in the corner. Oh, yeah. a seven footer that can handle the ball and shoot a three. Here, take this. Cool. Ooh. Don't be hating. <laughs> Don't be hating. <laughs> We can talk about it later, but I'm glad you brought up a seven footer that can handle the ball and shoot from three. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I think, it was, I think Noah Waterman's only big issue I thought was the fact that I don't think he, I think he's still kind of getting acclimated to the game, and the back to backs kind of killed him. The basketball because, IQ was low still, but a CL. But yeah, but again, remember he's just you know he's it took how long for him to get on the court again? Absolutely. It took forever. So. When you look at that and you think about that, it's just, you know, and what if, what if Mike Davis is truly the mastermind of the, of, of all of, of all of this and all of a sudden Torian Thompson starts and he's just been sandbagging. 
What what do we do? Do we? Yeah, did we? Yeah, we completely forgot about that guy. I mean, and by the way, has anybody seen Blake Coca lately? No, not not since the Oakland games. Haven't seen him either. So yeah, those two just magically appear, and then holy crap, yeah. Uh huh. What do I keep saying? What have I been saying for three years? You underestimate Mike Davis at your peril. I've been saying it, and it's coming to fruition right now. So when so so if Detroit Mercy happens to win this tournament, I will you we will we'll, we 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 won't be. I, it seems like we will collectively not be surprised. Honestly, if you look at any of these teams, there there is a there is a distinct probability that any one of these teams, one through twelve, and I'm even throwing Robert Morris in there, even though they're kind of on the low end and there's a lower probability, but one uh, top to bottom, this conference, any one of these teams could get hot in the next two weeks and take this tournament away from the top teams. There's and there's one there's one team we haven't mentioned yet today, and we, we need to, and they fall into this exact same category where you go, yeah, they're towards the bottom, but I don't know if I'd be excited to play them. That's Green Bay. They don't they split yeah. they split with UIC this weekend, right? Like they did, yeah. But I mean, I'm not I'm not ever going to be excited to see. I I cannot wait to see PJ Pipes graduate because that's a dude that I feel like every time I I watched Oakland play him, he 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 kills people. Like PJ Pipes has just been consistent his whole career. You're, you're gonna get mad if he comes back next year. Oh yeah, and then but you put that with Ari Davis and and Ang Song down there, like they're that's a, that's another good team. And you know, Will Ryan's figuring out how to coach a little bit. Like, yeah, not exactly. excited to play them either. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, yeah. Again, look at look, when you look at the rosters of every one of these teams, and everybody everybody is capable of beating everybody else. You know, Youngstown State and in the IUPUI split this weekend. UIC and Green Bay split this weekend. Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne split this weekend. Wright State and Northern Kentucky split this weekend. Green Bay, uh, Oakland and Milwaukee split this weekend. We don't know I mean, that they haven't finished that second game yet. <laughs> They're in the hey, they're the fifteenth win. Do not deny me my win. I'm oh, gonna have it. Just I, remember yeah, that, that is like yeah. I don't want to. That does. That's that's just. Uh, I don't want to talk about that long, painful game. In it. You don't want to know what that was. That 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 whole thing. That's. I'm, I'm gonna have nightmares about that Saturday game for a long time. This was like the that game was like the college basketball version of the stand remake that CBS All Access did. It's just horrible. Don't ever watch it. Find the 1994 version. Don't watch that. That's what this was. That's what the that's what that second game of Oakland and Milwaukee was. It was so brutal. If if you didn't watch the game, don't watch it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but go, just, but just go, go yeah, just do the recap. No, but go recaps. I am Hold on, hold on. Go to go to ESPN Plus and watch the replay. Start in the towards the last minute of the first overtime, and make sure you watch the out of bounds play that Campy drew up that Parrish couldn't could barely not finish. And I'm not gonna put that on that kid. That kid has had a hell of a season. He he put them in overtime, but that yeah. out of bounds um, alley oop that he threw for Parrish to finish that overtime that should have won it was gorgeous. One of the best out-of-bounds plays I've seen. Campy is the best X's and O's coach in this league, but he lacks in some other areas that hurts this team, I think. But X's and O's-wise, my goodness, was that dirty. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy because, yeah, we've seen that too. We've seen 
Campy drops some awesome plays, and it's just been just crappy luck on the on you know either you know it's just been there just been games where they, he just draws up something perfectly and it just doesn't work out. That, that play is called mayhem. He's had it in his book since like early two thousands. He talked about it after the game. Like that's a play that they know, but he hadn't used it since early two thousands. But he just went, okay, we're gonna run mayhem. It was the perfect place for it, and they they ran mayhem and it executed perfectly. And Parrish was supposed to put it off the glass, and he kind of tried to tip it in, and it just didn't go. But man, what a beautiful play! Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know what I feel the worst for uh, Nick Tory from Tory Sports Report because he was actually at the game, and so he had to see that thing. He had to see that thing live. That Did poor he bastard. His he might have. I, I'll, have, I'll have to. I'll have to get in touch with him and see, dude. Are you okay? Yeah, Do that help. Well, because that to me, there are games. Um, there were. There was a. I don't know. It, it's ancient history at this point, but yeah. game that got Taylor Battle and Penn State to the NCAA tournament in like 2010, where the final score was 39-32 against Wisconsin. And Battle was the player of the game with seven points. And that's, to me, like, the room or troll, too. So bad, it's good. This was just bad. <laughs> this was yeah. just <sighs> three hours. And it's supposed to be great. And it's, no. <laughs> it just wasn't. It really wasn't. I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm going to have nightmares about that game. For, yeah, I, it's just so scary. So, um, I hate to – yeah, I – I don't want to close out on a downer, but damn it, we're just gonna. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> hey, there's a tournament coming, guys. Let's get it. There is a tournament. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. February 25th. Yes, I don't February. know how, but we we have made it to the tournament. We're gonna see some Horizon League tournament basketball. Absolutely we got, are. We got some home sites, so that'll appease all the home site people, even though you still can't go and attend. And then you can watch some games in in the finals here. Like, this is a great league. Let's get excited about it. Absolutely and absolutely and and. Anybody can win it. That's I'm saying it right now. Any one of these teams can win this. That's how crazy this year has been that I would not be surprised if any one of these 12 teams wins this tournament. Do we want that to happen? Probably not, but it's possible. It is possible that could happen. Yeah, screw Absolutely. it. It's COVID year. Let's go. Let's go for it. Yes. Let's do this. Let's yeah. Let's, let's throw caution to the wind. Come on, Robert Morris. We know you do. We don't have AG problem anymore, but you've got a run in you right now. Um, all right, so that's going to wrap it up for us again. Thank you for Dan Goliath for uh, for joining us in the first part. Uh, really appreciate him having him on. Um, as always, you, HorizonRoundtable.com. Yeah, we're we're gonna we obviously are gonna have a bunch of stuff. Uh, especially coming up with tournament time. And by the way, we've got our picks for uh, our postseason picks uh, are coming up too. We've already alluded to that at least a couple of times. So you've been warned. Um, find us wherever podcasts are available. I do believe we finally fixed the issue with Google podcast because last episode with Billy Wampler, I believe that actually did post all the rest of them for whatever reason still haven't, but I don't know what to tell you, but we are, we are available where podcasts are available. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever that happens to be. Um, and you can still pull us up on your Amazon or uh, Google devices. So man, next week is going to be insane. We'll be here. Be sure to tune in till then. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>